This is exactly right. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. <laughs> are you leaving or are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and Terminal and gate. We wanna send you off in style. We wanna welcome you back home. Tell us all about it. Were you scared or was it fine? Malfoy. Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks. And this is Karen Kilgariff. Uh, when I have things delivered, Karen, there's a there's like 50 stairs up to my place. And if mm-hmm. it's, I ordered a chair, it advertised being an uncomfortable chair, but it turns to a comfortable futon and I'm just getting it so my dad can come here and sleep on it. But the guy, nice. he just got to the top of the stairs and he's like, God damn it. And through <laughs> every time I have something delivered, it's just a disgruntled guy who just went up 60 stairs. Do you tip? Do you give him an, any kind no, of I a hide. high five? I hide because I know they're angry. <laughs> I hear the anger. <laughs> I hear the best. dropping of the box. But I'm very, that's all I have to report is that I have a new chair. What a snooze festival that is. I'm just, well, no one cares. I want to know about why your dad is coming to stay on your futon. That seems right. like the, the real story. I have. I know it would be. I haven't thought that far ahead. I just know that I want him to sleep here, and then I got to come up with activities for the day. But wait, we we need to introduce you, yes, Bruce, because this, we have to be official. You're yes. a international celebrity. You're from the world next door, Canada. We're both humongous fans. Yes, We're thrilled to have you as a guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, you've seen him perform at clubs and colleges all over the country. <laughs> yes. Probably it's... never a college. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the only, Bruce McCullough. Woo! Yeah. Um, Woo! So nice to be here. I just have so many questions um, about your dad. <laughs> I I remember when I did the tour of Graceland um, many years ago, and the, all the questions I would ask were like, how many times have you done this tour? Um, <laughs> do you live near here? Do you have to do take a bus? And I was like, I didn't care about <laughs> just the the poor person in the ill-fitting jacket who's giving me the tour. Yeah, it's so fun to kind of throw them off their spiel because it's rehearsed. I did one of the Hearst Castle and they have their bits and they have their joke about the old newspaper and the library. And when you ask a personal question, they get very flustered. I know. But also I, flattered, like nice questions. But Yeah. 
It's fun to throw off a tour guide. And my podcast hosts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you really threw us for a loop on that one. Bruce, we've talked a lot about the new season of Kids in the Hall that just came out. When it came out, we talked about it on this podcast quite a bit. We're real. I am a longstanding Kids in the Hall fan. I don't know if you know that about me, but <laughs> I doubt you do. I know everything but... about you. I know what window you dress in. I know that you're a Kids in the Hall fan. <laughs> But we, honestly, when you guys, I think we first, like in California, saw you on Comedy Central, and my friend Lisa Lanyon and I were so obsessed with the OG kids in the hall that she, she's a very talented artist, she put a piece of paper up on the TV and drew the final frame of the intro of the show of all you guys doing your shadow puppets or doing stuff along the wall. She drew that on a piece of paper, because this was like 1992 or something. And then she made a t-shirt transfer so she and I could have kids in the hall t-shirts. And they were so heavy. It was a homemade iron-on t-shirt. So it weighed like two and a half pounds as <laughs> just as a design of the shirt. But we were so thrilled because truly just such an amazing, hilarious, innovative show then when I heard personally, and I don't know how Chris, how you felt, but when I was like, there's a new season coming out, I was thrilled, then I was scared. Yeah. And I was like, I can't watch them not be great. I can't. And then from that very first fucking <laughs> sketch <laughs> with the bank robbers, it was just like, I was like, of course, they're nailing yeah, it. It's amazing. Better than ever. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. I mean, we were I guess we're too stupid to have been worried, but I guess it's like, oh, you know, and it's like, you can't think of the whole thing. You kind of go like, well, I got one idea. It was actually more when we did Death Comes to Town, which is a miniseries we did, I think about eight or nine years ago now. I was like, and I remember just looking at the rushes and going, wow, we really do look different. Um, And less so (laughs) this time, like I get it, we're old now, but it's just, I don't know. I think old guys look cool. Like I always go see, like <laughs> I go see the Jayhawks or you know Mavis Aww. Staples or something, and it's like, yes, you're so cool. So I, um, I don't think we're cool, but I think uh, our age did not scare us. But but do the Good. Jayhawks open with full frontal nudity? I don't I think mean, so. Full I w- frontal. I've never been so happy to see. Yeah. Grown men. Well, and you know the great thing <laughs> is, as my wife said, we are so stupid. Um, <laughs> We they fought for that. Like Dave actually flew from L.A. to New York to sit with the person from Amazon and go, no, we have to we have to have our junk in the show. Yeah. It's like who, he said, who but you would fight for your old tired dicks because <laughs> we thought it was funnier. So um, thank you. It was. It was. It was perfect. Yeah, that fight was worth it. It was full vulnerability from like minute one and a half, where it's just like, oh, there. To me, it was like you guys showed up to really do it. You weren't gonna. No half measures would be taken. Thank you. You're welcome. And was there? I remember a reunion, maybe not even ten years after, because you the show ended in '95, right? Yeah, we did a tour in 2000. Right. And I went to the show in Austin, Texas. I was living in Austin. That was the first year I started doing comedy. And I dressed I dressed up like it's Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. I dressed up as, <laughs> who's your character that wore, was it Doug? He has a vest. Who's the tough guy that just repeated his name oh. after things? <laughs> Laura. The Laura kid? I, I wore a vest in your honor. Let's just say that. <laughs> I just wanted to let you know I wore a vest for you. Well, that well, that was so forward thinking. <laughs> yeah, what a free thinker yeah. you are. 
My God, you're a seeker. I met the woman, <laughs> the actress who played Laura in that sketch where you sing the song and that whole, yeah. the teenage rebellion. And she was, I turned around and she was standing there and I'm like, Laura. And then, cause also that's my sister's name. Yeah. So I thought that sketch was especially funny. And I think I weirded her out so bad. Cause I was that kind of like super comedy nerd fan where I like knew all about it. And she was just like, that's weird. I, it was just one small part. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's just so thrilling. It's like, you know. You're talking about the sketch. great Nikki DeBoer is her name. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I did that. It was actually Mark's idea that I neck forever. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking back at that as a technician. It's like, where's the laugh? Like, there's no, I didn't go like, like, I think if I'd made a noise and went back at it or something, there would have been a laugh. It was just like, I don't know where the laugh was. <laughs> well, that was the great thing about Kids in the Hall. Some of them were just really grounded characters and I some of the sketches were like kind of dramatic for me at least watching it mm -hmm. and I didn't get that from like Saturday Night Live it, there was just a relatability with me and then this new season I really you guys are like better actors than ever like they're it was actual true acting it's uh well thank you I mean I think tone you know we started it Early on, like, you know, when we obviously we came from stage and then a lot of our stuff at the beginning was multicam. But then it was like we do all these sort of stylish. I got so into Eastern European filmmaking that the troupe almost fired me. But it was like, you know, I think I think style is important. And it's something that that, you know, I could argue there's a little too much style in our new season, quite frankly. But it's like mm. we uh, I don't think comedy troops, troops think of that. I mean, SNL have some stylish looking things but they're usually aping the the video that they're they're parroting or whatever right. but just style to create a world is something that doesn't it isn't considered a normal thing in a way but yeah. to us it's like it's super important well and some of those sketches um both in the new season then and, and the old ones like you know Jerry Sizzler and Jerry Sizzler, where it feels like you're going, you're being brought somewhere that you can't anticipate. And for myself, who is like a stand-up comic who loves to watch things and know what joke is there, everyone's leading up to, like, oh, I know what they're going to say, or I know what this is going to lead to. You just couldn't do that on that show and and still can't. Like the, that style element where you're basically saying, like, you're not going to be able to anticipate this, or you're, this is not going to be the punchline you think it is. Yeah. It's so fun to, it makes it so fun to watch. Well, I, I think we have craft in different ways, but I don't think we have that craft. We just like, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not Tarkovsky or, you know, some weird person, but it's like, I don't think we ever, you know, Kevin, like, would talk sometimes about comedy, and I wouldn't even understand you know what I know how to like I know how to write a movie and I know how to do act breaks and 22 minute TV and all that now like because I've been in that industry for a long time I don't really know the rules of writing a sketch you just write something and then there's something else happens and then maybe there's an ending maybe there isn't and sometimes yeah. for us it's just like I'm gonna go out with the drum machine and dance and then stop <laughs> and it's like what and so I love those what ones as much as like oh this is going somewhere so I think we um I think we enjoy our indulgence, but of course yeah. we're super um, fastidious about how long our indulgence should be or what it should look like. So it's not, it's not like we're just indulgent. We're obsessed with whatever we're obsessed with <laughs> in the moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're on TikTok, yeah. which I really respect. Uh oh, 
Did you see that sort of back, uh, which I respect? Okay, I know that voice. And, and the next thing she's going to say, you know this, Chris. Having said that, <laughs> having a little said constructive that, criticism yeah, yeah, moving no, forward. Yeah. No, it's Mr. Pajamas, which when I saw yeah. that username, it made me giggle so much. But there were clips of your one man show. Yeah. And, you know, talking about like knowing how to write scripts or knowing how to, um, you know, make TV or whatever, that is like solid back-to-back joke hour of comedy. I was, I, I, not to say I'm surprised by that, but it was like, you could do that at the improv as much as, it's not like a one-man show about like your feelings and sitting, you know, leaning on a ladder or whatever. It's like, (laughs) you were just there doing hard jokes. I am. Well, you know, the show's interesting, actually. It's called Tales of Bravery and Stupidity. That was my Kevin voice. Um, (laughs) It it starts out as a kick-ass, big fucking laugh show. And that kind of segues into something that's more theatrical and human, which has been my, it's been my, I I don't want to say journey because it's such a corny word. It's been my lifelong journey, which is to let my humanity out. And as I get older and hopefully wiser and care less about my own ego, Mm. it's what I care about. So thank you for that. But it's, you know, that's the most fun you can have is doing a show like that for whatever amount of people are there. And are you currently on tour with it or? Um, I am, I did it twice in New York and I will do some, uh, some of my favorite cities in January, February, March. Uh, Los Angeles. I'll, I'll do Los Angeles again. I love the West Coast. I think I'll be in Chicago and Boston, um, hopefully Detroit. That's what we're sort of just uh, looking at that now. Nice. Oh, I can't, I really want to see that. Well, thank you. It's like the kids in the hall aren't, aren't going to be touring for a bit. So, hey, I'm, fuck, I'm going to go do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Get out there. Yeah. Get ahead of them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I signed with a booking agent that uh, it was all bands like uh, uh-huh. Smash Mouth and all these bands that were kind of big in the in the 90s. And there was no commi- You were on there, though. I don't think you're any longer with this guy, but he's a very nice man. Brian is his name. And that was I said yes, because you were on the list. I'm like, well, I've. Bruce McCullough's on there. I'm I'm <laughs> definitely going to be with this guy. And it's worked out great. He's a sweetheart. And you and I should do a show with Smash Mouth. Yes! yes. Yeah. The words? How did you yank words out of my mouth before I even... Triple Bill. Oh, man, what a show that'd be. Yeah. We'll go do Sturgis and spread yeah. some germs. They famously did uh, performed at Sturgis. Brian did not have anything to do with that performance. Everyone got ah, sick. I didn't know that. Yeah, mid mid COVID Sturgis bike rally. <laughs> yeah, that didn't seem like a good idea from three thousand miles away. No, but, no. but it doesn't seem like a good idea when there isn't COVID. So I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, how? What was the writing process like for this new season of Kids? Does everyone? You're in Toronto, right? Well, yeah, but we we started before uh, COVID really hit. So we okay. actually had three weeks where we wrote together, which isn't necessarily the way we would write the original show you know i i've had a writer's assistant since i was 27 who'd come over to my house and i would say you know and i'd say stuff and he or she would write it down you know and present ideas to the troop and sometimes we had riff but it's it's a lot to have the us five loud people together in a room it's (laughs) it's it's exhausting and the most exhausting one is probably me but with this, <laughs> to just go like, oh, I got one idea, and then somebody beats it up, or it goes nowhere, or it, it, it ignites, was really fun. So 
it was something we really haven't probably ever done. You know, we sat down in that concentrated way in kind of an uglier way when we were doing brain candy, but this mm -hmm. was kind of sweet. And then just when I got tired of everyone and vice versa, uh, COVID hit. So we were on Zoom, but we'd had enough rapport that right. it was, we knew what we were doing. So it was, it was, that was a quite enjoyable actually, which is a rare thing to say about a kids in the hall experience. That yeah. was quite enjoyable. <laughs> Did you feel like you, um, like, were you nervous before it premiered? Did you have any qualms? Did you not care? Like, how was, what was that experience of like the brand new season waiting for it to come out? Um, I don't know if, like, I think when you make something, it's done. Um, and I, I obsess always in the, in the tech part of it and the like, oh, that music's too loud, that sound effect's too late or whatever. Like, I, I've never watched one of our kids in the hall shows after it's done. Like, I never, mm. or, or I, th I think I saw Brain Candy again in a theater years after, but it's like just doing it is the thing and then it's out there. Um, but I guess you start worrying to, about it. I don't know. Like, we got nothing to lose, really. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, so I don't think worried. I think we're pretty fearless in that way, yeah. you know? And I don't think it was like, you know, Amazon was always like, you're going to be canceled if you do stuff that's too edgy or whatever. It's like, right. we're not, I don't think we're going to be canceled. We're fighting the good fight. We're smart, feminist, you know, yeah. uh, we're queer positive. We Listen, I took, I took 50 shots in the head for for being considered gay when I wasn't <laughs> like, I've, I, Hey, I, we fight the good fight. We're, we're, like we're out maybe there for they, a reason. Did they have concerns about this day and age cross-dressing or playing women? Well, like, was that something Amazon was worried about? It was brought up a little bit, but it's like, it's such an, like, I understand that conversation for sure, sure on the other side, but for us, we don't cross-dress. No, we right. do, we do characters yeah. and some of them have, you know, Kathy's my sister and, you know, <laughs> Tammy is a girl I wish I could go out with. And like, you know, so it's not, it's just a different thing. It's like, you gotta, you gotta know us to, to say that. And I think if people don't know us and they go, there's a, there's a conversation now going on where men, uh, you know, have to be careful when they dress as women. I understand that, but I think our thing has been grandfathered in. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 You've already earned such goodwill. I mean, the, the secretary sketches were so. Oh, they're so good. They were just so real. It yeah. wasn't you are a different men, person. Like this is what women are like. It yeah. was literally like here's four women who work together, and this is what they're like. Yeah, that's almost my favorite character. It is my sister who's like got the worst life, and just like <laughs> oh, it's okay, <laughs> and like just keeps just keeps at it. And it was like a long conversation when we were we were writing for this show. It's like Scott wrote one where his Kathy was like the the big boss in the building now and. And I still was, I was still a temp or, or I still not a temp. I was still, um, Kathy. And it's like, no, no, they got to stay stuck. They got to like, there's, <laughs> you know, some characters don't evolve. It's that terrible yeah. thing that, um, I know as you sell your TV shows, executives always think, Oh, what's the, what's the series arc? What happens? Like we like people who are stuck and <laughs> in, in, in a way. Um, and so yeah, Kathy, yeah, Kathy is still like, Still not making much money. <laughs> still happy. She still got that cheesecake in the drawer of her desk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How long have you known these guys? When did Kids in the Hall first form? Oh, I've only known them since I've I've known Mark since eighty two. Just <laughs> oh, okay, sure, <laughs> just, just a couple of years. It's like so long now. It's like I don't know. That's what. I, I think it's great to have a good long life. And obviously not everyone we know has had a good long life, but it's been, it's been my rememberable life. Like there were sort of little flashes of the odd, like I dressed weird and I got into bar fights before the kids in the hall, but, and I was, uh, you know, uh, uh, a power lifter and all that stuff, but really? it's like, but then all of a sudden, <laughs> wait no. a second, you can't just skip. Yeah. That. Yeah. The power lifting we're going to have to, that's more interesting than my dad a, visit. A, uh, well, I used to, yeah, I used to um, compete uh, as a uh, Olympic lifter. Uh, wow! The snatch wow. and clean and jerk when I was when I was young. I was like a madman, you know, marathon runner. I'd go on bike trips alone. I did wrestling, swimming you know, too, right? You're swimming. No, no swimming. No, I just made that one up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, swimming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris yeah. just naming different yeah. sports. No, but it doesn't I, like. You know, I have a full life outside the kids in the hall, by the yeah, way, sure. but it doesn't feel <laughs> I don't re- I don't really remember a time bef- before them in some way. You know, yeah, I, sure. I remember my mom leaving when I was eight and then there was a long gap <laughs> <laughs> until I found a blue oyster cult. Uh, I listened to them for a while and then there was kids in the hall. <laughs> well, I've always thought you're not lifting weights unless Blue Oyster Cult is playing in the background. Oh, no. Yeah. Mountain or Montrose <laughs> or Blue Oyster Cult's got to be cranking and I'm I'm going to be lifting those clay weights. <laughs> I love it so much. Have you ever lived in Los Angeles? Oh, yeah. No, I, we, I was there for 18 years. Oh, and, wow. And I did like lots of stuff, but mostly I, I think I got involved in failure culture where I would sell a show to ABC and that wouldn't happen or I'd, or I'd sell one the next week or Fox and it wouldn't happen either. And you go, really? That one didn't happen, but they wanted it so badly. So I came back around four years ago. I was uh, directing Ships Creek and it just felt like a time to kind of jump back. And uh, my we'd always said that we wanted to be back in Toronto by the time my daughter was in high school. So it was mm. sort of spiritual as well. You know, uh, is it Ashley Madison? the clothier where everything is size one we just didn't want to be in la doing that so yeah yeah, so uh i've been back four years now and it it was it's been kind of wonderful in a way wait Um, isn't ashley mad i thought that was the one where if you want to have an affair yeah it was a dating site for i I only know that because i a friend of mine (laughs) because a friend a friend yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a friend she, knew about it. It's yeah, not yeah. Ashley Madison. No, it's, uh, oh, somebody knows what it's it is. It's like Madison, my niece knows what yeah. it is because I give her shit about yeah. it all the yeah. time where I'm like, is that sweatshirt from, it's, I think I always say Madison Reed, but that's a hair, yeah. a hair dye place. <laughs> not that there are any teenagers listening, but they're all screaming the right name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm going to get a lot of furiously written messages about yeah. this. Brandy. Melba. I, Brandy Melville. <laughs> yeah. Brandy Melville. That's yep. it. Yep. 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 
Oh, God. We're so smart. We accomplished something. You thought this was a useless podcast. It is not. (laughs) not. It is not. (laughs) It is not. You know what's really awesome about Ashley Madison is that thing came out this probably like mid 2000s. Everyone got like offended and talked about it or whatever. And then, like, I think it was like about five to seven years later, uh, there was like an expose that it was only men on there. All the women on Ashley Madison were fake. And so they were just trying to get men to join, but then they weren't finding women who wanted to have affairs with them and secret, you know, rendezvous. That was all, it was all fake. They were just paying the membership fee. Uh, yeah, I remember billboards of it. And I'm like, is that real? That's like a comedy billboard, right? Because it <laughs> nope. said like, are you ready to have an affair? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's supposed to be secret, not billboard With a talk. bot? <laughs> so how is life back in yeah. Toronto? Um, it's pretty good. You know, I I, I came back and... Three days later, I got a green light on this other show I do called Tall Boys, which is a great sketch show, uh, which is now on something called Fuse. And so mm. I started doing that and I did, I was like, got so busy. It was, you know, I, I sort of look back in the parched years in, in LA where it's like, oh, your pilot didn't go, but you got a bunch of money. Okay, let's just have a martini again tonight. <laughs> um, so, um, no, my time in Toronto, uh, you know, Canada isn't always great to their people. But for some reason, they were nice to me. And like, they don't like when, you, when you're successful in America first. And they don't really like when you're living in LA. They like that you're staying in the Toronto theater pool and not trying to do too much. But for some reason, they were very kind to me and got offered a lot of good stuff and got to make stuff, which is what the only thing we care about, right? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of wonderful to be back here now. Yeah, it sounds like it. And also to have like Shit's Creek under your belt, or I'm sure you've directed other a bunch of other stuff too. Like you're now like a, what do they say? It's like triple threat or more, quadruple threat? Yeah. Well, if you don't, I don't consider acting in that. So I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just a double threat. Only a double threat. <laughs> yeah, I'm only a double threat. I'm sorry. Yeah, at least you're threatening people. Yeah. I am. <laughs> Wait, but you need to add weightlifting back into that. So uh, maybe it is triple. Yeah, right. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm feeling better about myself now. I've okay. never thought about that, that Canada would maybe get uh, tired of us stealing their best people at, for our TV shows and everything. Maybe. Well, they're... it's a double-edged sword. They're so quick to go, well, he's Canadian or she's Canadian. Right. But that doesn't mean they necessarily, they don't like it to, they don't like you. <laughs> you know, there there is a ladder in can- Canadian show business, but it's on the ground. Like they don't, they don't want you to, like you can walk like this on it. Yeah, but lateral they, moves only. Oh, they don't want you to sell out a, a, a theater show and get another show. That's not the Canadian way, that you know? so great. Yeah. Keep it low key. Yeah. Keep it, yeah. Keep our people down. There was yeah. a folk music festival in Calgary on the island. It's like an island. Yeah, it's I know the festival, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I, they just asked me to open for some bands, but it meant talking for 15 minutes to a sea of people about anything to just during the time that they were setting up. And Kevin McDonald was the other, he was such a sweet man. I really liked him a lot. I miss him. I was like, I think he's my friend now. I haven't seen him. We haven't talked <laughs> I, about since. I don't see that side of him. He seems <laughs> like a garish also ran no, to me. No way. Yeah. He, but he was so nervous that they, I couldn't believe, as nervous as I was, he was like, 
Well, we didn't know what we were doing. We just had to talk in between bands. Well, that is not a natural gig. No, like no, I've it's bad. I've been offered like some of my favorite people to open for them or something. It's like you have no idea how bad, you know. Way back, Alanis Morissette asked me to do something. It's like, and I loved Alanis Morissette. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know if I could meet her. I loved her so much. But it was like, <laughs> you don't know how badly this is going to go down. If you yes. think I'm going to come oh, do wait. characters between <laughs> your songs or something, it's like, th- no, this is a tragedy. So I don't, I don't know about hosting the folk festival. I think Kevin was smart to be nervous. Yeah, that's a well, tough he just pick. said, if I faint or if they start throwing things angrily, uh, please, will you take over and just kick me aside and grab the mic? And I'm like, what are you? And I was, as soon as he walked out there, everyone was so excited that he was there that he couldn't even get a word in edgewise. They just were, he just stood up there and then the next band played and he waved. Well, that's, that's better. I've heard his act. I think if he <laughs> just did that kind of like shadow puppets and did, did weird stuff with his hair and go, hey, Kevin McDonald's, I think that's that's all he should ever do. <laughs> I did. I was at the um, Odd Block Comedy Festival in Winnipeg, and I didn't know until I saw him in the lobby of the main theater where everybody was doing sets that it was kind of like he was part of the team that brought people to Winnipeg for this comedy festival, and I. I got so starstruck. It almost like it was like I was just trying to stay out of the, his line of sight. And someone's like, you're being rude. You should go like say hi and like thank you or whatever. And I'm like, I'd rather be rude the, because it's such a it's such a weird, funny thing to have kind of an old, I don't know, when there's a thing that you love that much that you kind of like identify and it makes you genuinely happy because your guy's show came out after I'd gotten kicked out of college and I had to move back in with my parents. So I basically was like, oh, I guess I'm a failure and I don't know, <laughs> I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do now. What I did know was that you guys were on Comedy Central like at 3 p.m. every day and I yeah. could, at least I had that. And so to kind of have the, just a 180 where it's like, oh, now you're just hanging out at the same comedy festival as that person. It was just like strangely overwhelming in a way that I couldn't acknowledge. And then of course, anybody that knows Kevin McDonald's like, yeah, you should have said something. He's like a very nice person. And I was just like, no, I couldn't handle it. Like I just, at the time, couldn't deal with well, it. Well, I understand. And it's also like, it's making sense of your world because you're not supposed to see us. Remember someone said, well, why are you here when I was in a bar or something? I said, well, I got to be somewhere. You know, I have to be somewhere. But I, you know, going back, of course, to my, our, our series on Amazon, um, and I, I'm saying that sort of as a joke, but I think people, I think people liked the show and they responded to it because of the comedy, but also it feels like we're okay, like we're well, and we've all survived, right? Yes. The fact that we've all, isn't three of us and like the bass player from Poison doing Kevin's, <laughs> you know, job or whatever. Like, it's like, we've all made it through and we're all still at it and we're still fucking kicking, whatever that means. Yeah. We're still, we're still trying and we're still, you know, in some case showing our wrinkled junk and other times just like, you know, r- riding a lazy boy down the street and like, whatever it is, we're oh. still working our hardest and the audience is still there too, you know? Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think, the sweetness of it. What are you doing here? <laughs> Why? It is like you're supposed to be on my TV. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. You're now you're in front of me. What's happening? Well, and also 
with, you know, we're not like the people in ER where everybody writes their lines. I mean, you <laughs> think like you know us and you kind of do because we sort of write our stuff and our obsessions are there. Yeah. And of course, you know, it isn't us, but but whatever. It sort of is because those are our brains talking about the things we want uh, to yeah. be obsessed with. So people do feel like they know us. So why? You know, that's normal. Yeah, you even jokingly gave advice on our early Kids in the Hall episode where it was like, uh, how do you get into comedy? And you just said, make jokes in school. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track. I took it very seriously. (laughs) You were like giving bad life advice. No, it was in school. The advice was get your own TV show. Oh, yes, of course. It's like, of course. I haven't done that yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I think that is the most important thing. Growing up, are you making other kids laugh? Well, then you probably should be a comedian. Yeah. And you help yeah. validate that choice for me because that's the reason. That's the reason I started doing comedy. That sketch. Well, when your dad is parked on your futon God, and drinking his do? Lamb's Navy rum, which I know is his drink, <laughs> if you feel like you need to call me and talk, we can. Oh, nice. I yeah. might just do that. <laughs> just don't come over because I'll wonder why you're here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what are you looking forward to in 2023? Anything personal, fun? No, I mean, not to be, it sounds like I'm promoting myself, but, you know, to, to do my show in, in my favorite cities is something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think it's, you know, and I do talk about this a bit in my show, we've been in, in uh, COVID for a thousand days. I think mm. it's, it's taking time to crawl out and to see who we are and to kind of grow back into our lives and ourselves and our, you know, people kind of rushed out at first and then now they're not so sure and people want to go out, but now they're not sure if they have any money, you know? So (laughs) it's like, it's a lot's going on. So I think to kind of be out in the world again, that sounds sort of nebulous. I I think that's it. You know? Do you like to embarrass your teen children? I did see a Mr. Pajamas video where <laughs> you were shaming your son oh, just by talking. The poor kid. He's been having to wear pajamas and hold a, a tray with a martini. It's like every time I have to sell tickets to like, you know, whatever, whatever show I'm doing. He's been doing it since he was six. No, he embarrasses me. He's, you know, his nickname for me is uh, Mr. One Season, which he started saying when I was like when he was about seven years old, he'd introduce me to his friend's parents as Mr. One Season because a couple shows I'd done at that point had only gone one season. <laughs> so it's like... Wow. harsh. No, no. Uh, you know, and my my daughter, who's a teenager now, I'll say, good morning, still say, shut up, Perv. So I think, <laughs> I think, I think they have the better of me. Oh, man. <laughs> Just knowing those two things makes me think your kids are the best. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Did yeah. your son's friends even know what that meant? What? No, Spring, I summer, know. Fall? What do you... <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> such, a, such an inside joke for a kid to make. No, when we were seven, we were in Palm Springs, and we saw a bunch of old people wearing name tags. And all we talk about now is like, we'll say it five times a week. It's like, why aren't those old people wearing name tags? It's freaking me out. All we do is talk about old people should wear name tags. And it's like, so my kids have that obsession that it's like a kids in the hall thing too. You can make the same joke every day for a thousand years. And it's, it gets better because it's, it's not getting better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the dedication is there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did having kids help you with your comedy and ideas and everything? Do you think it? Um, no, I actually enjoyed my work more and I worked harder. I wasn't that person who went like, ah, this is the real thing. I, 
I think I took the old fashioned man's thing. Like I got to provide for my kids, right. but I, I enjoyed my work again for some reason when I had my kids. I don't know why, but of course it's great to have something other than yourself to think about. Right. And all I do is drive and cut up apples and pick up my son and his girlfriend <laughs> and drop him and wait for him to have a haircut and sit there for 45 minutes and then drive him home. Like that's, you know, that's, and I'm doing a notes call as I'm, as I'm waiting for him. Like that's, I'm just in service. And I think it's good for us all to be of service, you know? So yeah. uh, for that reason, I think it's good. Yeah. I think the cutting up apples alone is such a gorgeous service for yeah. another human being. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, if you're 16, how can your mouth eat a whole apple and figure it yeah, out? You need no. little pieces in a, in a bowl. Yeah, Please. I agree. I don't want to bite into an apple. I feel like my teeth are going to rip out of my head. But I, no, I'm and perfect. what are you, a cis man just taking <laughs> taking down an apple with disrespect? And it's like your chompers just devouring it. It's too much. It's yeah. it's too much. They should Pieces. be bite-sized yeah. and in a Ziploc bag and yeah. in your pocket for later. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe a little peanut butter to dip them in. Oh, if, don't get me started. If we have that Tupperware available, <laughs> if possible. It is possible. What TV shows do you like, Bruce? Um. I'm really off 90 Day Fiance. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's, it's revealed itself to be a crappy show. Um, but you were obsessed at one point. No, I, I, because I make TV, I can't watch traditional TV. Oh, my God. You know, of course, I there's lots of great shows, comedy shows that I, I like. But, you know, I'll watch House Hunters International, mm. you know, or something to make my brain just sort of go away. But, um, you know, I think White Lotus is pretty spectacular. I've been watching that. Mike White. She mentioned it at the top of the hour. Is a genius. He's a weird. He's a genius. And it's it's like, it's obsessing me in a way. It's like, how do you talk people into getting, spending that much money on your fetish? I'm like the guy (laughs) who goes, no, no, we don't need the whole life. We can just, we can shoot it here. Like, it'll it'll be fine. Um, (laughs) And the idea that it's just like, oh, no, I'm just going to now I'm going to be in Italy and now we're going to have the biggest places like and I love that about it, too, because I know that's there for a reason. But that, you know, he's kind of a, you know, a genius. Um, he really I I did. Um, now I'm not going to be able to remember. It was the Laura Dern show that he did. Ashley Madison. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it was sorry. Enlightened. Yeah. That Molly was also in. So, you know, our connection, I feel like I know, like I've met, I think I've met him, but because I'm so close to Molly and Molly loves him and says, she claims she loves (laughs) me. It feels like I know him. You know how you feel like, you know, someone, um, even though you don't. So, um, but yeah, I I love his sensibilities. Yeah. He's just so good. And, and directing wise is like the writing is enough to be jealous about, but then those like, I literally just turned off episode two of season two of White Lotus. And as I was watching it, I was just like, this is like delicious to be watching. So it's like, it, it's giving to you in, on several levels as you're watching it. Yeah. Way to go, Mike. We're for you, Mike. We're not against you. So <laughs> ret- return our calls. Quit blocking us. We're just, yes. we're just trying to say nice things. We don't deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I can't. It's hard for me to find new shows, so I just rewatch. And I'm not saying this because you directed. I don't know how many episodes, but I just rewatch Shit's Creek. I've watched it all three times. Is that yeah. 
Is that obsessive or do I have a problem? No, I think it's like I'll, you know, I well, I just, when I was in New York, I spent so much time in a hotel room. Like, oh my God, how many Seinfelds can one watch? Yeah. How many offices <laughs> can one watch? I think it's, I think it's kind of a comfort thing in, in a way as well. Yeah. You know, it's just like, ah, uh, it's not going to hurt me. I'm in under my blanket and I'm, I'm watching a show where I know where it's going or something. I don't know. Yeah. And like- Catherine O'Hara's there. Catherine O'Hara, just knowing she's just in the room and it's hilarious. Yeah. Like there's no, you're not going to lose if that woman is there. Yeah. Agreed. I could watch yeah. a whole concert of her scat singing. Scat <laughs> oh, like even just watching her change her shoes as her her two people and she's trying to like balance as she's changing her shoes. And she goes, what? I'm just changing my shoes. Like it's like it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. She's amazing. And I get the uh, you said the house real estate thing. I for some reason, that's the most comforting TV for me. There's a beautiful homes show where there's like a house guy, an architect and then actress, a UK actress that yeah. show you these homes like one house is made out of an airplane wing and they're extra i love it so much i don't know why i'm not well it's so simple it's three and they're going to maybe pick one or they're not i i actually knew some people who are super like big directors uh director uh and his his wife producer and it's like so i started talking to them and they said oh no we've been to toronto we're such fans of love it or list it we had to come (laughs) And look at all the locations where they didn't love it or list it. So they were going to all these like Toronto neighborhoods, like generic <laughs> streets to look at. Yeah, this is where they did episode three, you know, uh, this is where they talk four. about the open floor plan <laughs> yeah. for 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's like finding out Martin Scorsese likes to eat at all the restaurants featured in Guy Fieri's show or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also people need something to do. Yeah. Right? Yes. Where are you, why are you here in this bar? Well, I got to be somewhere, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, in those shows too, especially during quarantine, like that, I love that show, Chris. I can't remember what it's called, but it's so good. Because it's like the architect guy tells you about the architecture of these like, you know, multi-million dollar homes up on a mountain by itself. Yeah. And the person that built this, it reminds them of their childhood or whatever. And so you're like learning and you're seeing a house you'll never see. It'll never be anywhere else. Like this is your only chance. But it's also then that kind of escapism. Like I feel like, oh, I just went there for a second. Yeah. And during quarantine, I started to realize like, I got really interested in how I was not going to go crazy. And it was like, pick TV shows, not that like freak you out or bum you out. You have to pick TV shows that make you feel like you're doing the things you would normally be doing. Right. Going outside or traveling or being around other people in some way. So it actually was- Or looking at an $8 million house. Yeah. Yeah, yes. they were you know, all what, real what I love to do. Yeah, my passion. My favorite. I think it's called the world's most extraordinary homes. I think is what. Yeah, called. it but should be called was, homes you'll never have. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And homes it's you'll called, never have. Chris yeah. Fairbanks, my name. And but she would. She's like, we're not supposed to go in this part of the house. I'm going to go have a bath, and she's like, go <laughs> to a part of the house and take a nap where she wasn't supposed to be. There was all these like uh, she was. I'm going to dye my hair. I'm fighting with my boyfriend. I'm going to cut my bangs and leave them in the sink. (laughs) I stayed in an Airbnb this weekend and there was a big sign that said, don't dye your hair in our sink. So apparently that's a, that's an epidemic. Yeah. You're going to come to LA. Was it in LA? Where was it? 
Uh, yeah, but Santa Barbara. Yeah, you got. Yeah, we're gonna go to Santa Barbara, and we're just gonna dye our hair, and yeah. anything is gonna happen. It's also kind of like, are you committing a crime? Are you trying to change your appearance? Yeah. So the cops aren't on to you. Yeah, if you're dyeing your hair, seeing that sign in like a truck stop bathroom, you know something. There's <laughs> yeah, and I think it also said no fake beards. So I feel like <laughs> it said, uh, Jason Bourne, you're not allowed to cut your girlfriend's hair in this bathroom. Speaking of fake beards, a long time ago, our friend Howard Kramer said they were in a meeting. He and Chip were in a meeting with Dave Foley, and he had, can you confirm if he had a goatee toupee that he would wear, not as a character, but during the day, because sometimes he liked to have a goatee, but he didn't want to have to shave it off, so he wore the stick-on toupee, or was he playing a joke on them? I think, well, I know he has toupees in his armpits because he doesn't have very <laughs> armpits and he sure. wants to seem like he's one of those guys. <laughs> I, I, that's only the 80th weird thing I've heard about Dave. So I would say that's probably true. I thought, I was like, no, he was being funny. He was just thought it was an icebreaker weird thing to do is peel off a fake goatee and put it on a stand at the beginning of a meeting. He's like, no, no, he wears goatee. He wears a goatee toupee. And I'm like, I think he's just hilarious, probably. Yeah. All right. Just wanted to make sure if he had a famous uh, series of goatee toupees. Sorry. There's, so there was a little goatee toupee stand next to him? I made up the stand. Okay, okay. I thought, I think maybe well, it was that's, just That's when we were me. in. Like, oh, he's got a stand. That, like, yeah. It went yeah. on one of those styrofoam wig heads, of course, attached to the chin. Maybe. You know, when we were doing the series, I remember I went one morning at about 9 a.m. to get my head cast in this, you know, I don't know if you ever had that happen, in cold cement. They give you straws for your nose oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. Ooh. And I said, why am I here? Like, as, I, <laughs> as they started to put on the third like layer of saran wrap around my head. And they said, well, Dave thought it was a good idea. <laughs> and so I thought, oh my God, you're so smart. You've been wanting to get me for 30 years. And by getting me to cast my head, <laughs> this is it. Because um, I don't think they needed to cast my head. Maybe so, he just wants a, he misses you and he wants a bust of you in his house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I miss my friend. And then he visits the bust. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't go. He's making love to that bust. Because that's exactly where my our minds went. Right, Karen? That's right. right yeah. That's the first thing I thought. Of. Yeah. But was that the most claustrophobic thing? I would be so freaked out. It's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. I've had it before. And Kevin can't do it. Oh, no. Kevin can't do it. But uh, here. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Like that time I was peer pressured into spelunking. Did you really? Oh, yeah. yeah no, it was so scary. There's, they're like, okay, there is a point where your body might not fit in this narrow, but mm -hmm. don't worry, we've done it a million times. And I crawled like, oh, gosh, just thinking of it now, so scary. But I, I got, they told me to do it and I did it. Did you get stuck? I did get, yeah. It was very apparent, the area they're talking about. But then after that scary moment, it opened up into a big, beautiful waterfall. -y. But you were also the boy who got stuck in the well, were you not? Yeah, I've done said, I, okay, No, go I've down to that well. Wells. Just jump. <laughs> I've fallen down so many manholes in a hilarious way just in the city. Uh, half a dozen times? Yeah. 
He'll follow any arrow. He will go in any direction. I have, missed, I have Mr. Magoo walked out onto a building, <laughs> a rafter, that finally at the last minute I continue on to the rest of the... Whew, it's happened a lot. <laughs> who, who is... Uh, is uh, Bellini. How did Bellini become part of your show? Paul Bellini? Yeah. Well, uh, Paul Paul Bellini, like there's two things that make it. Um, he makes us, the shadowy men make us cool and he makes us, I don't know, something, New York or avant-garde or something. <laughs> um, he, he, he came with Scott. He was his friend and he was, he's our Andy Warhol. He was there like going, no, don't do that, Thompson. Uh, but he always had a camera and like the um, documentary on us you know, the unsung thing is lots of it is his footage because oh, okay. he was just always there. You know, in the old days when people didn't really have Super 8 cameras that much or like now it's obviously all phones, but it's like, no, he was always shooting. And then it was really distressful to me, like him and Scott, like like they would get stoned and improvised characters and stuff. It's like so creepy to me, but uh, but it's it's great footage. And so he was always around and he's you know, we love our Bellini. He's, he's, yeah. he's less, just like one of those people that we all can agree on, which is rare. Yeah. Well, well, of course we have to take care of Bellini. Well, of course we have to fly Bellini to New York to walk on stage or whatever it is. Because yeah. Bellini is his own thing. I um, literally I'm, clap. I gasped and clapped out loud when he was in the new season. I, I <laughs> did not expect him with the towel and everything to be. And there he was again. Oh, and then we did a touch Bellini contest. And it was like, it's like <laughs> I, I remember talking because I got my agent to do the deal. And she kept saying, wow, you're really pushing hard for Bellini's money. I said, yes, this is Paul <laughs> Bellini. He's a cultural figure. We have to treat him as like i'd never fight that hard for my own money but it's like no bellini's uh he's amazing yeah there was really nothing like a cutaway to paul bellini standing in a towel you know where as a 22 year old or whatever i was just like this is it this is art and this is uh this is high level you know television production yeah it was, it was great yeah very French new wave. I don't know enough mm -hmm. to say that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's the case. I didn't know he even talked. I'm glad to hear he talks. He never talked, right? Once. Uh, on yeah, show. and I didn't like when he talked. And there was, <laughs> no, because it it's the purest in me. And it's like, thank God that's over. You know, I, I get it, but I liked him not. But that's okay, too. You know. <laughs> yeah. Now, can I ask, and not to be irritatingly nerdy about you and the show, but... Did your dad really have a store? A I wanted to store? ask about the Daves and if they're real Daves that you knew. <laughs> Were they real Daves? Was that and the did real your dad Dave really have store? a store? <laughs> My dad was a salesman and yeah, he worked in Campbell's Furniture okay. um, for many years. And it was so funny because he'd always win contests where instead of giving you money, they'd give you a piece of furniture. So we had the shittiest townhouse <laughs> that was just packed full of furniture that my dad had won in a contest, like, don't they pay you money? Yeah, my dad was uh, an old fashioned, and he was also a traveling salesman in the old days when that actually was a thing where you take your sample cases. And of course, in the yeah. old days, uh, boozers were always salesmen, right? Because they <laughs> they could work for three days and then drink for four days and get lost. Right. And and yeah. um, people in the wouldn't briefcase, know. There'd be the dictionaries or whatever. And then you lift a secret compartment and there was a foam <laughs> cutout of a whiskey <laughs> bottle. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was just the first one. You had another uh, suitcase filled with them. <laughs> yeah. 
But were the in the video you did for Dave's I know, were those real Dave's? No, they weren't. I'm okay, so they I'm did so... a great job. I thought they were real Dave's. They did their job. They were great. It was very yeah. realistic. They seemed like Dave's you would know. Now, do people, Bruce, do people do this to you? Like, say you're in the bar or when people see you, is this the kind of stuff they need to talk to you about? Yeah, do they? Do you find? Oh, well, I, um, yeah, I guess. Sometimes uh. they say, do you know which one I liked? And I go, <laughs> I'm just waiting. <laughs> I don't know which one you liked. Um, yeah, that's kind of what they say. Yeah. Um, but now it's kind of sweeter. Like, I think people don't as much go, here's the one I like. They kind of go, I could never communicate with my dad. And then we'd watch your show. Or the best one is, you know, I was up on the reservation and I was queer and I didn't know what a queer person, I'd never seen one on TV and we had your show. Like that, that stuff feels like it's replaced the bigger story of our show or not just our show, it's our, our show has replaced my pen, my pen, I think. <laughs> Which literally, I cannot say the phrase my pen without saying it in that voice. I know. I didn't like, I didn't know the power of repetition, you know, yeah. in that way. And it's like, we do it too with all the things that, that we repeat from other culture or things. You know, it is sort of a virus that we infect people's lives in that way. But I think it's mostly joyful, I think. It's, it is. There's a goofiness and a fun to it that I think is like, it is that, that that's why I do it. Because usually it's like, can I have my pen? And then I'll go, my pen! And it's like, but it's in the middle of a meeting where everyone's being very serious and real stuff is happening. And then you just kind of get to have a sidebar, a sidebar we being weird, basically. And it's like, this is uh, this is my kind of weirdness. My favorite uh, sidebar of weirdness is when you're in a serious situation, like any of my friends. Uh, my friend ruptured his spleen, and someone eventually said, "Did you see? Did you see the doctor in me?" Uh, that <laughs> line we used to quote. That is the most quoted for years, uh, and I think it's from Brain Candy. But we would say that whenever a doctor was nearby, and then they would think we were crazy. But that's what that's the result we want. You know, it's yeah. so funny because we that that's me doing Cancer Boy, and um, <laughs> when we did a we did a reading of Cancer Boy, it's like I thought, oh, I'm going to cut that. Like we have too much stuff, and it's like, no, no, you got to. And I did that line. It's like, oh, people love that line. I've never yeah. thought. They had it's so funny. The alliteration, something I said it. Yeah. Um, me and my friends said that all the time. It's poetry. It is poetic. It is. Before we go, I need to ask you. Oh yeah, and this is separate. This is <laughs> has nothing to do with kids in the hall. We're not talking about that yes, anymore. Sorry, sorry for all the talking about it. Yeah, we're really sorry, <laughs> Bruce. You like? Well, for you, they're just regular Kit Kats. To me, they're Canadian Kit Kats. But do you? Um, First of all, do you un do you notice the difference between candy in America and candy in Canada? And do you care about Kit Kats in Canada at all? And if you had American Kit Kats versus Canadian Kit Kats? Well, I'm going to creep you out and seem like an elitist. Um, <laughs> but my favorite Kit Kats are the white chocolate ones. Oh. This is not what we expected. This is no. classic McCullough coming in with an option. He thought I was the man of the people. <laughs> nope. You know, a blue collar Kit Kat eater. And here <laughs> I am going, no, I like my white chocolate Kit Kats on a tray, Mr. Butler. <laughs> Sorry. Who is your son in pajamas? Never meet your heroes. You heard that. Not that I'm your hero. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, how unpredictable of you. I mean, amazing. We went to, when we were up at, the, at that Winnipeg Comedy Festival, somebody somebody bought a Kit Kat and we were like all sharing it. And, the, and we all bit into it. We're like, oh my God, that's the why best candy this, of all time. Why is it so it was good? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We have to ask every Canadian that. It's a rule. It's on this a rule. Podcast. And it's a, it's a perfect thing okay. to do and, and conclusionary thing to do. It really, I think, brought it all down <laughs> yeah. to a point where now well, we just Well, it does have to seem escape. like a climax to a sprawling conversation. It does seem like the only <laughs> possible climax. <laughs> it's a perfect button, really, you have to admit. Well, no, you know what's even better? Me going, thank you, young nerd children. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yes. but was... you don't consider yourself nerd children? I mean, it's seemed... Seemed pretty obvious to me. To my <laughs> Kevin again. Next time, go up to Kevin. <laughs> I will. Now now I have the guts, I think. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I'm going to invite him to sleep on my futon chair. <laughs> I miss him, like I said before. Remind him of who you are and then invite Don't him remember, over. Remember, we really, had, we really palled around up there. Well, we really, we were so thrilled that you agreed to do this. Yes. And we're just, we, hopefully we were able to show that through a series of irritating questions. Yes. I loved your string of questions. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of like to work on a rewrite. I feel like three or four <laughs> okay. of them weren't as focused as the others. Sure, sure. Um, I have a few notes. I mean, that's okay. my, that's my obsession. So I, if I give like, I once gave seven pages of notes on a rock video. I was, um, I directed and I couldn't be there for the first cut. And my wife said, you're not crazy at all. Um, so, but uh, I will give, I will give you seven pages of notes on this interview and then let's do it again in one year from today. Oh, yes. I, I, we will take you up on that in a yes. very serious yes. way. Very seriously. <laughs> you're the best. Thank you so much. Thank for you being so much. Mr. Bruce McCullough. Thank you, beautiful nerd children. Take care, and I I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, I do, too. You've been listening to Do You Need a Ride? D-Y-N-A-R! This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Mixed by Edson Choi. Our talent booker is Patrick Kotner. Theme song by Karen Kilgariff. Artwork by Chris Fairbanks. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dinar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R Podcast. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Hong Kong. <laughs> we used to drive in a car. <laughs> Follow Do You Need a Ride on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you never miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit the exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Do You Need a Ride merch.